Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Today, Talk 1370, the right choice. The following is a paid commercial program. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of this station or its advertisers. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Today, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we're going to talk about the UPS driver in Florida. He was a hostage. He was shot and killed by police, according to the family. And then the Austin police monitor's office is a complete disaster. Going to talk about all the stuff that's coming out of the Austin Police Department, also out of the monitor's office. They're the one that's supposed to do some oversight over our law enforcement here locally. And also, Mayor Adler talks about the city-owned property versus purchasing new property. He's going to talk to us about, you know, the Home Depot versus, I guess, uh, stuff that they already own versus buying new stuff. So we'll talk about that. All right, so, but first, let's talk about this UPS driver in Florida. Man, did you guys see the video of that? Yeah, that was wild. That was a shootout. Shootout. It's just crazy. You mm-hmm. see that? I didn't get a chance to see it. Oh. Yeah, there were cops hiding behind people's cars, you know, just How about the basic the basic the gun scene? safety rules there? Uh, know your threat was behind your threat? What a concept. Yeah, and they <laughs> got in between. How about <laughs> I, I, I don't remember hearing anything about uh, let's hide behind civilians in their cars. <laughs> and then and then the UPS driver. Sounds like 4th of July. Oh, madness. And, and apparently, you know, UPS drivers get, you know, they're hostages all the time. You know, they get picked up like that all the time. And it never ended like this before. You know, you're talking about a driver. And this guy, this was his first day as a driver by himself. That's the first saddest day. thing I ever heard in my life. So uh, UPS, you have to work in another part of UPS before you become a driver, right? So it wasn't his first day at UPS, but it was his first day as a driver. Correct, because first you, you work in the warehouse, and, you know, it, it could be like a year or longer before you actually get on a truck by yourself. So, yeah, it's the first day as a driver by himself on the truck. He gets, you know, kidnapped, he held hostage, and then shot and killed. And he, you can see him in the video, the helicopter. Uh, you can actually see him. They have him on the floor of the vehicle. You can see the other two guys in the vehicle, in the UPS truck, that are holding him hostage. He's clearly in a brown uniform, so you know who he is. Clear as day. Um, and, man, I tell you, it's just madness. Talking about knowing your threat and what's behind that threat. I mean, we just ignored all safety rules So did the, did the police end up shooting him with stray fire, or did the hostage takers just execute him? No, they ended up getting sh- According to the family, he ended up getting shot by police. And you can see on the vi- you can almost see it on the video. I'm surprised more people didn't get just caught by a stray bullet in that situation. I tell you what, listen to this uh, interview of the father of the UPS driver. He'll, he'll explain it to you. What, what has the last, you know, 12, 24 hours been like for your family? Well, we haven't slept yet. We haven't slept yet because my wife is devastated. The girls are devastated. Um, um, we're in shock. We, 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 don't, we still don't believe that Frank's dead. Uh, we don't believe that all this that, that occurred, uh, the, way, uh, the way it occurred is, is to me, um, is, is negligence. I want to be Frank's voice. Uh, uh, he's no, my, my problem with watching the videos is that if you, if you notice Frank was stepping from the passenger side, crawling down, 
in uniform, brown uniform that actually matches the color of the truck he was driving. The suspect was in front of him. There's 30, 40, uh, the, the truck on one side is riddled with 30, 40 bullets. There's bullets everywhere. This is a war zone. How can this happen in today's uh, day and age? The police was negligent. And I'm not a police officer, I'm not an attorney either. But I have common sense, and like we all do. And it, and it shows me, where's the protocol? Where, where was, in plain daylight rush hour, where was protocol? Where was SWAT? Where was the hostage negotiator? Where was the sniper? My son was on the ground. He had his hands wide open. There was no gun. He had no gun. The suspect was in front of him, facing the police, with five different uh, departments. Cora Gables, Hiley, um, Pembroke Pines, Metro, Miami, uh, Miramar. Uh, they, they shot him dead. And this is the negligence that I'm, I'm referring uh, to. The negligence, the, the irresponsibility, uh, the lack of life, the lack of concern, the disregard for life for a victim. I mean, we've all seen hostage situations where local police surrounds the, the house, SWAT comes in, there's a negotiator, and either they negotiate a, a peace, and they everyone walks away alive. They didn't and that's the father of uh, the UPS driver. And some people are saying that, um, well, on the Twitter page of UPS, they congratulated the police for their efforts, and then they stated they started a GoFundMe page instead of paying paying for the guy's funeral expenses themselves. You know, that kind of reminds me of uh, <laughs> I saw that show V Wars, I think it's called on Netflix, mm -hmm. and there's this vampire and. He's starting to beat people up in the hospital, and there are cops there. And he picks this one cop up, and he starts running down the hallway towards these other two cops. And the two cops just start unloading onto the human shield, mm. the other police officer mm. that this person has. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's just that craziness. All right, so I want to I switch gears just a little bit and switch to the Austin Police Monitor's office. We'll come back to that UPS story here. Uh, but I want to switch a little bit. Austin Police Monitor's office is, like I said, it's a complete disaster. Uh, and the reason I say it's, it's a complete disaster is because, you know, I find it funny that the only things that we're hearing that are coming out of that office as far as reports are anonymous reports that are sent in from police officers. That's all we're hearing out of complaints that are coming out of that office. There's and no official and anything. And the ink is not even dry when it comes out. When this this comes out, city council's talked about it, the ink's not even dry, and it's like that day, and the public knows about it. Why is that? It, I don't know. And, but let's go to our let's go to our phone line. And by the way, our call in number is five one two five four three two two eight four. That's five one two five four three two two eight four. Come and talk it. Uh, so Elizabeth with uh, External Affairs, welcome to come and talk it. Hi Michael. Hi Zach. How are you guys? Hey, doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. All right, so Elizabeth, so, uh, tell me a little bit about you know this uh, the police monitor's office because this is craziness. Well, it is craziness. So, if we're going to start there, um, the very first thing the the ink actually was very dry. So, this original complaint that uh, that came in that's anonymous that was addressing racist language, homophobic language actually came in to the monitor's office on September thirtieth not October 30th. It was, uh, it came in and the police monitor, Farrah Muskinen, took the case and she put it in inactive status. We have no idea at this point why, whether she was told to do it, whether she knew she did it, I, I don't know. But it actually was there 30 days before it was in the news. Now let me ask you this, um, Elizabeth, because uh what about those three rookie officers that just randomly quit the Austin Police Department right before Thanksgiving? Well, yeah, so they're they're not rookies, but here's here is another thing that's a problem. And this stems from the Independent Office of Police Oversight, I refer to as IOPO, Farrah Muskinen's office. So what we have been promised is an independent investigation, transparency. We have been promised a, an individual named Lisa Tatum who will be heading up this investigation. We're told the investigation is going to ferret out, expose, and get rid of officers who engage in that behavior. So I was rather shocked when the information came to me that we have three officers who have been allowed to resign. And this is in the past 
10 to 14 day time frame. So what happened, the initial officer, uh, Boone Sholabo, was being investigated for misuse of time. And what IA decided to do, I guess because they don't have a clear path or understanding about right, how that, to even hold that, hold that thought right there, Elizabeth, because I also want to come back and ask you about the – now they're going to start looking at the officers, uh, their social media accounts, and also those fake name accounts they have out there. Uh, we're talking about the UPS driver. We're talking about the Austin Police Monitor. We're talking about the uh, Mayor Adler and the homeless. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Come and Talk It. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so we had a little extra segment segment there. There was a basketball game that was on our regular time that went over, so that's why we started a little late here. We're, so we're officially going from now until 6. So we're going to talk about this UPS driver in Florida, and uh, that was a hostage that was shot and killed. And also another civilian was killed besides the UPS driver. There's a, a guy that was sitting in his vehicle that was also shot and killed as well. Not just the UPS driver. He was just sitting in traffic, regular old Joe. That is just beyond anything you would think would ever happen. I mean, it's rush hour right? traffic. I mean, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I'm thinking, okay, spike strips. I'm thinking, you know, let's neutralize the vehicle so it can't move. Block them in so they can't go anywhere. Let's get all the people out of there, you know. Yeah, get snipers or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's, this whole pullback, pullback, you know, let's. Calm this situation down, but no, it was just like guns ablazing. It was just all, you know, departments from like what was it five, four or five different police departments, and it's just madness. So they must not have been coordinating. Right? Oh, with no. that many, how can you really do a coordinated what, effort that quickly? What kills me is that, and then the police chief comes out and he's talking about how you know, hey, you know, <laughs> I, I forget what he said, but I'm just thinking, you know, I just have to laugh. Laugh. It's it's a sad situation. It's very sad because, you know, you have two innocent people that lost their lives. But then, you know, I, I laugh because I, nothing's ever, nothing's going to come from this. They weren't even killed by the hostage takers. And nothing's going to change from that. You know, nothing. will. They will not do anything differently the next time. Yeah. What's that's, new? that's the sad part. So that's why I laugh because we're going to allow this to happen again. We're going to allow this to happen. We're not going to do anything. You know, this guy, this guy, his first day as a driver, uh, first day. And, you know, he's put in this situation, not his fault, on the floor, you know, thinking, okay, well, this all will be over soon. You know, maybe they'll, this, they'll, this guy will, these guys will give up, you know, whatever. And I'll eventually go home to my two kids. Uh, but no, that's not it. He died right there in rush hour traffic on the road, on the street. 
How often do events like this occur? By drop? Oh, UPS drop all the time. You'd be surprised. I mean, how how often does there was there was one, there, there was one like a month ago? UPS driver. Uh, there was he one was taken hostage. Taken hostage. Yeah, it, it happens. It, it happens a lot. Specifically to UPS drivers. Uh, just delivery drivers. I mean, oh, okay. There's a there's a um, Uber Eats. You know, we're going to talk about that late in the hour. Uber Eats driver here in Austin was delivering uh, late at night, delivering some food, and uh, guy comes out. I don't know if you saw that story I sent you. Mm-hmm, I saw. Um, and the guy tries to rob him, and so he's like, "No, not today." So the Uber Eats driver pulls out his concealed handgun. Uh, and they're at like like a little stalemate there. Yeah, they had a Mexican standoff yeah, there. Right they're both there. just pointing their guns at each other, not moving. Yeah. So we'll what? Talk. Oh yeah, uh-huh. that happened here in Austin. Wow. That's right. People are like people, you know, and people are starting to fight back. And I think as a a company who refuses to allow someone to protect themselves and to carry, you know, don't won't allow them to carry at work. I think is a travesty. I think people need to be able to. Uh, if you know you're you're in that situation where you're you're out there by yourself, you know, uh, you know you're the driver, you're by yourself. Something like that happens, and this happens all the time with UPS and FedEx and our those delivery drivers all the time. And to not allow them to carry a gun and to defend themselves, I think, man, the family should sue UPS, and they also should sue sue each individual police department. Something needs to be done. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so I want to go back and talk about this Austin police monitor. We're going to come back to the UPS driver. I'm not done with that story just yet because uh, all safety rules were just ignored. You know, knowing your threat and what's behind that threat was totally ignored. Uh, but let's go back and let's talk about this Austin police monitor uh, situation that's going on. And I want to learn a little bit about the history of why we even have a Austin police monitor. How do we get to this point? Because before it was Austin police monitor, it was actually something else. Uh, so, Elizabeth, can you tell me uh, – what happened in Austin that we actually started an organization to actually investigate and monitor our local police department? Well, so that's uh, that's an old story, but a sad story. So at, at one point, we had a woman who was having a mental health crisis. Her name was Sophia King, and she was in the uh, parking lot of her apartment complex without any clothes on and a knife in her hand. So APD arrived on scene, and as Miss King was advancing towards her apartment manager, her landlord, she was shot. And it was um, a very, very sad day, but uh, there was just community uproar. And so that was the specific incident that gives us um, the incarnation we have now, IOPO, but started the police monitor's office. And... There have been three or four different monitors over the years, but that's that was the specific event that caused the city to create that office. Mm, okay, and then now today we have the Austin Police Monitor, and 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 like I said earlier, the only only cases I'm hearing coming out of this office are from police officers who are sending in anonymous complaints. Uh, I'm not hearing any <clears throat> complaints from citizens coming out of this office at all. No complaints from citizens. <laughs> And I know yeah, some and, citizens have actually sent in complaints for a fact. Right, and so there, there are, are grave problems with the office. And I just, just very quickly, what I will say is that the employees who have been a part of that office for years and years, you could not ask for a more educated, dedicated, uh, trustworthy. These are wonderful people, and I've had the, the great pleasure of speaking with uh, some but not all. What has happened is when Muscadin um, took over the helm of that department, there were six employees, six full-time trained City of Austin employees. She is down to one employee, and the last number that I heard was that that particular employee had over 200 cases assigned. So... I mean, just unless there's a magic trick, there just is not a way for that office to function. Mm. Uh, she has had other employees that she has hired who have left, um, and so I mean, it's I don't I don't know the answer other than is there a vote of confidence that can be taken? It's a it's horrible. The police contract that I have in my hand has a. a 
substantial number of pages in it that are dedicated to police oversight and then the citizens review panel just going through it um, the city of Austin the police monitor's office is in violation of this contract and it's it's bad for everyone it's bad for citizens it's bad for the city it's bad for officers um, and you know we we are under what is supposed to be a transparent and thorough investigation about racist language and homophobic language. And some information that came to me, we were discussing right before the break, we have three police officers. We have Boone Sholabo, we have Adam Kruger, and we have Derek Bowman. All three officers were allowed to resign in the last 10 to 14 days, retain their T-coal, and they are eligible to be hired in other police departments. All three of these officers had racist and homophobic comments, homophobic comments found on their cellular devices. It started out as a case where Sholabo was being investigated for misuse of time, which is a stunningly, um, there many, many, many officers are investigated for that every year. It's a very common issue. So I saw nothing in the newspaper about that. I saw nothing on the police monitor site about that. And so they're just uh, they're getting their phones, finding the comments, and letting them go. All right. We come back from the break. Going to talk about this. Uh, Mayor Adler, we had a chance to uh, interview Mayor Adler in talk to him about this Home Depot and some other things. I'll talk about that. We're going to go back to this UPS because I want to you know, break this stuff down just a little bit. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. From Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Talk 1987 Police end up in pursuit of these guys, this vehicle, the GPS vehicle, and they ended up in rush hour traffic in Florida, rush hour traffic and just complete craziness. Listen to uh, one of these news stories here. You'll break down the whole, whole situation there. The dramatic shootout that ended the 23-mile chase involved 19 police officers from at least four different departments. They opened fire when the gunmen shot at them, leaving drivers in rush hour traffic panicked and scrambling as police took cover behind people's cars and trucks. In the end, the two men who police say robbed the jewelry store and hijacked the UPS truck were killed. 
but so was 70-year-old Richard Cutshaw, who was waiting in his car at the intersection, and the UPS driver who was taken hostage, Frank Ordonez. Ordonez was father of two daughters, ages three and five. His stepfather criticized the officer's actions. They disregard the hostage. They disregard for the people around the scene. They went out there like the old west. Miami-Dade's police director explained why officers had to move in on the suspects. These individuals weren't showing that they're just fleeing. They were uh, violently confronting officers shooting at them. But Manny Orosa, who was Miami's police chief from 2011 to 2015, questions the tactic given the number of civilians and the hostage. What I was looking for was for someone to be able to stop all those cars, get all those people out of the, of the cars, evacuate them to safety. But if the suspect or suspects are opening fire, shouldn't the officers try to neutralize them? You should take cover. If you're shooting into a truck and you don't have a clear vision of who you're shooting at, you just don't shoot at the truck. It is still not clear who fired the shots that killed the UPS driver and the innocent bystander. A complete investigation could take months, even years. The 13 Miami-Dade police officers involved in the shooting are on administrative leave tonight, which is routine during these types of investigations. Nora. All right, Manny, thank you. All right, so, and typically what you do in a situation like that is they clear the road ahead of them. You know, you, you, you see where the vehicle's going, so you clear the street, you know, couple miles out ahead of where, where they're heading to. And that way you get the people out of the way. You get down spike strips. We try to stop, you know, stop the vehicle, you know, render it, you know, not drivable. And then, you know, we start either seeing what we're going to do. We're going to negotiate with these guys. Or what are you going to do? Bring in SWAT, bring in snipers, you know, things like that. That sh should have been, you know, what had happened. Not you know, in broad daylight, in traffic, you know, rush hour traffic where, you know, everyone's around. What do you think about that, Gary? I have not seen this video, so <laughs> I don't have an opinion on it at this time. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a hail of bullets. There's you a know, lot. Coming from the police officers. Yeah, there's a, apparently somewhere there's a picture of the, the UPS uh, van there, truck, and there's like so many bullets. Just riddled. Yeah. There's blood on it too, right? I don't, yeah. It's crazy. All right, so uh, let's let's talk about uh, this the homeless crisis that we have here in Austin because this this week was a crazy week, uh, especially right around Congress and and Ben White, where you had a guy uh, pretty much it's 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 the regular guy that's always there. I, I know this guy. <laughs> Did we talk to him? No, we didn't talk to him. But you know we we know this guy. This guy's always there. He's been in and out of jail. But is he, that the he, guy in the Lazy Boy out there? Uh, one of them. Yeah. He's he's forty seven years old. Yeah. His his last name's Caldwell. I don't know if. He is one of the people that we spoke with when we went and no, not interviewed that, over there. Not that particular trip, no. It but wasn't. it's in the same area. Oh, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, right okay. there at Congress. And, and Ben White. And he got some, apparently, according to him, he got some K2. Yeah. And, and it just drove him, you know, kind of crazy there. And, you know. A common occurrence amongst homeless community, K2. K2. K2 uh, meltdowns, I guess you would call them. Yeah, check out some of these videos here. Now we'll show you this video here of uh you know pretty much what happened in that intersection if you haven't already seen it and then uh because uh you had the paramedics there you had uh well the guys running around in traffic banging on windows and, and it was rush hour traffic there too yeah it was and there's a fire truck right there yeah. yeah so he's like you know banging on the vehicles jumping on top of the vehicles uh then the police get there and and the here's the funny thing so the police get there and they take this guy into custody, and, and basically what he was doing, I guess they decided him for a Class C misdemeanor. Yeah. Since it was a Class C, so then it was um, simple, you know, sight and pretty much release. That's so, just a ticket, right? Yeah, so he was yeah. He was released hours later. He was released quick enough that— But he had the, a warrant. The morning news interviewed him the next morning. Yeah, yeah. So this guy was arrested, processed, and <laughs> released— Back at that same intersection with At the few, same intersection hours. That, that he could be interviewed by the news. I mean— that's that's a big problem. Did you see the interview? No, I didn't want. Well, he didn't want to be on camera. He was the camera was on him from very far away, and the reporter was talking. To him. They got audio, and he was saying he was embarrassed. He didn't want to be on camera uh, because he had some bad dope, is what he is what he described the situation as. And if you you drive that way all the time, you, you'll see this guy. It's the same guy that's always there. 
Um, and it, it happens all the time. You know, where they are, you know, people get get a hold of some K two, some bad, and that's like what is it a, a something that's synthetic in, marijuana? Okay, something K2? is actually in in the marijuana or something like that. Uh, it's not, like no, it's a whole different thing. thing. It's something totally different. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I man, I'm I'm growing up too. I'm getting too old. I'm getting out of touch now. <laughs> I know what the that's kids not are doing something, these days. Yeah, that's not something you want to be in touch with. Trust I'm me. just totally yeah. out of touch. I don't know what's you know what's going on anymore. That's terrible. I need to hit the streets. And then there was another video that uh, that we saw, and I don't know how recent that one was, but the video of like in a lobby. Yeah, in a lobby of I don't, I'm not even sure what it was. It was a store, and this this gentleman had come in multiple times stealing from the store, and you know the clerk was was just sick of it. You know they. She was she was over it, so she basically got into a fight with him while she was on the phone, and he and she was, was, and she was on the phone with nine one one. It took them, it took the police. I I want to say uh, fifty minutes to show up. Is that how long? Yeah, fifty That's, minutes to show up. That and, doesn't really and, surprise and this, me. Why this lady's fighting with this guy in the in the store? Oh, well, in, I mean, in, imagine in the lobby, with, in the lobby. with with how many um, complaints there are now. After the camping ordinance was passed. There was an increase in complaints about homelessness, naturally. So I can only assume that that, you know, has slowed down police response time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and, and that's going to be a problem that's back to – we need to throw that back to city council because the reason we're short officers on the street is because of city council. Yeah, that's, that's something I should have asked in hindsight. I should have oh, asked yeah. Adler it, that. Abso it's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. This mayor, uh, this city council is going to be their fault for not putting enough officers on the street. And then, you know, they're doing the right thing right now by making sure, you know, the training and stuff is done the way it's supposed to be done. Because I've said, I've, I've talked about the training that, <laughs> that, you know, that happens at APD, you know, years, for years now. Years ago, I talked about this. I, I remember going to a graduation uh, at the Austin Police Department. And I'm sitting at the graduation, and I was totally in shock by the, the way the trainers, instructors uh, were talking to and how they, you know, how, how they treat the uh, the cadets. I was just in shock by that, you know, and, um, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, you know, even when I've, I've, I've served in the military, you know, I've gone through base training and stuff like that. You know, you don't treat people like that, especially around other people who are not there. You don't, it's, it's a totally weird mentality. And it's, you know, it's a totally really weird way. It's like, it's almost like a us against them. Yeah, mentality. That's you know, good. it's us against them, and, and you, that's not what protect and serve is supposed or, to be. About. Or it's almost becomes sort of a complacent position that the police are put in because there's not really much that they can do uh, for the homeless people, or even to where to tell them to go. So, um, do you want to play that clip of me of of me talking to Adler? Because there's also a few other things I can expound upon about that. Yeah, we come back from the break. We'll play that, um, but I, I will get back into that a little bit, and then. I want to get into that, and then also because the city owns a lot of other property. Yeah, there's so much property that they actually own where they don't have to buy other things; they can actually use those properties that they own. And I, I like what the governor's doing. I think if the mayor actually called the governor or actually, you know, picked some of the people up that were homeless and take and, and took them to the spot that the the governor has, you know, in Austin. I think it would work out great because right now we're because back. It, we're back where we were. It's essentially the what the governor's created is essentially a designated area for the homeless to congregate, which I think makes sense. Right. Uh, otherwise, you got. I mean, what Adler was bringing up to me was that prior to the camping ordinance being passed, we had women that were out in the woods getting sexually assaulted, et cetera, et cetera. That's accurate. I've heard that from homeless from homeless women myself. Uh -huh. And so he's saying that by having this this or, uh, playing out this ordinance the way it has. It brought people into the light, you know, so now it's become a, a more visible issue and people are aware of it. But what I think is was wrong was that they didn't designate a specific area for it. So there was no it was just a, a kind of a free for all sort of thing going on. Mm. And what the governor has done is sort of designate an area for the homeless folks to congregate so that it's not wide. It's not widespread. I don't want to use the word chaos because I don't think it's chaos, but it's a widespread problem, nuisance across the city. I tell you what, what I like, I like all the videos that we're seeing that are coming in. I, I like how ladies are actually protecting themselves. They're yeah. standing up and they're yeah. well, that, And themselves. that's what I was. Right. We come back. We'll talk about that a little more. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. So the 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're back. We're talking about this UPS driver in Florida and the other um, innocent guy there that was shot that was sitting in traffic talking about the city of Austin and how the mayor's handling our homeless crisis that we're having here in Austin. And then also, did you guys hear about the three Indiana judges that were suspended after a uh, White Castle brawl that left two of them wounded? Uh, Larry Moe and Curley. That's a pretty wild story, too. <laughs> yeah, three judges, Larry, Moe and Curley. That's what I'm going to nickname them. Uh, not exactly behavior um, becoming of a judge. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so back in May, uh, three Indiana judges got into a fight, and it was the uh, it was the crescendo of an incident uh, brimming with colorful details, like a gaggle of judges drinking the night before a judicial conference and failed attempt to visit a strip club called the Red Garter, a brawl in the parking lot of an Indianapolis White Castle. You can't even make this stuff up. It sounds like a good time. Oh, yeah, man. I like, you know what? I want to party with these guys. Let me yeah, tell you, Larry Moore yeah. and Curly, I need to go with them. We need to go to the club. I'm well, telling you. I, I need to be at their house on Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, look, I'll tell you what. If I had to go before a judge, I want to go before these judges. That's right. right. Yeah, like yeah. they get you. They understand. Right. Me. They understand. I just stand up there and give them the nod. <laughs> Dismissed of all charges. That's right. <laughs> Mr. So, Faust. Oh, yeah, so this altercation apparently started sometime after 3 a.m., but they were just trying to get the party started. <laughs> Let me tell you, 3 a.m., let's keep it going. Uh, so uh, when one of the judges, uh, Sabrina Bell, raised a middle finger at two men yelling from a passing SUV and ended after one of these <laughs> men shot two of the judges. What? Yeah. One of them was shot? One, yeah, two of them. Two of them were shot. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So in between, the three judges took a number of actions that discredited the entire Indiana judiciary. Uh, so according to an opinion posted by the Indiana Supreme Court uh, a couple weeks ago, they suspended the judges. Now, the court found that the three, Andrew Adams, Bailey Jacobs, and Sabrina Bell, had engaged in judicial misconduct by appearing in public in an intoxicated state and behaving in an injudicious manner and by becoming involved in a verbal altercation and Adams and Jacobs engaged in further judicial misconduct by becoming involved in a physical altercation. Basically, what they did was, so the two, the female judge flipped the, the guys off. The guys came back. The two male judges got into a fisticuff with them on the ground. They're rolling around and fighting on the ground. And then who shot them? In the parking lot. And one of the guys that was on the ground fighting with one of the judges pulled out a gun and defended himself and shot, you know, the two judges. Whoa, 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 whoa. Defended himself. Yeah, he defended himself. I don't know, but that's a stretch. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> why did she flip him off? Does it say? Yeah, it doesn't say. It doesn't say why or anything like that, you know. So you, you know what this sounds, you know what this sounds like club. to me? What is this? This sounds like a classic tale of of a woman starting a fight. Oh. That's what it sounds like to me. Oh, see, now you're trying to get us all in trouble. I'm <laughs> look, I live in the doghouse, all right? I'm used to this. But that's what it sounds like. It sounds like she flipped some guy off, and these other two guys, you know, got into it. Why did she do that? That's the question. We'll probably never have the answer to that question. 
Well, she did say, you know, while at the scene that she felt like it was all her fault. <laughs> okay, so yeah. even she admits that I'm yeah, right. She admitted she did admit it was she felt like it was all her fault. You know, she kind of started it, you know, by flipping him off and saying some stuff as they passed by because I guess they were in their the other guys were in their vehicle. Okay. And the judges were walking. Zach, how many times you go down to Sixth Street and see a, a fight start because of a woman? Oh, see, here we go. Isn't that why all fights start? That's what I'm saying. See, I just finished talking about how ladies are defending That's themselves. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, I just finished talking about how ladies are defending themselves, you know, yeah, in, no, in the city I, of us. No, I'm supporting you. What I'm saying is women need to start defending themselves instead of having men come in fighting for them. And start fisticuffs. That's what I'm saying. She should, the lady that, the judge, the judge, the judge that flipped those two guys off, Shocking. she should have been the one fighting both of them. Mm. Okay. All right, so let's go back to <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> let's go back to talking about Mayor Adler. All right. All right, so let's go to the top of the W. All right, so let's hey, you know what? Let's roll this clip. Let's hear what the this, mayor this has. This is and this is we're talking about the Home Depot on St. John's and 35 possibly being used as a shelter of sorts. That's what we're what he's referring to in the All right, video. So Home Depot and uh, St. John's and I-35 yes, in sir. Austin. Yeah. All right, here we go. Productive use for the for the community. Uh, and uh, the council member in whose district it's in has been working with uh, lots of different community groups in that area to actually put it to um, uh, significant use. In any kind of democratic system like this, obviously there are lots of stakeholders and there are a hundred different people at a hundred different uses for that that they wanted to put it to. But I think that they're getting really close now for that. But with respect to homelessness, that was one of the places that was looked at. But the, the goal of getting a really big space, having a sanctioned camping area to say, hey, everybody can just go out there, is not something that, that, that works. Well, but isn't that essentially what you've done with the, not, you with the city council has done with the camping ordinance in the city, saying you can camp wherever you want in the city, well, why not in the Home Depot? I haven't said you can camp anywhere, but, but we haven't set up a sanctioned camping area. Man, his eyes, you, you know, like that? body language tells you a lot. It yeah. really does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I talked to him like about you a lot actually, of stuff. Like he, his eyes and his body language told me like, oh, so you actually know about this subject. So I, I can't yeah. feed you. Yeah, so I was there with, with two fellow UT students and we all had, we were all talking about homelessness, but every, every, uh, each one of us had kind of different angles that we were taking and. I was covering it more broadly, but we talked about non-compliant individuals in the homeless community. We talked about drug addiction, mental illness. We talked about the Home Depot possibly being used as a homeless shelter or, or something, or maybe a, you know, a designated area for the so homeless. So he didn't mention the fact that they were actually selling the building. No, he didn't bring that up. I did, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, he told me that the council member whose district it, it is in and don't quote me on this, but I think it might be Flanagan's, but but that's... No. I, are you no. sure? Yeah, it wouldn't be Flanagan's. Or maybe it was... It would be... It would I be, shouldn't have said anything, because I, I don't remember uh, who's I it think is. it would be Kassar's. Kassar, yeah, that's, yeah, that was my other my other uh, guess. But anyways, um, he said that they've been working on possibly using it as a community center. That's what people in that district want it to be used as. And I said, look, if... if I, I asked him... Is the homeless problem in Austin a crisis? And he said, yes, it is. So I said, if it's a crisis, why are we kind of jerking around with a property that the government has owned for over 10 years when it's available and it's empty? I mean, right now it's housing compost bins. It's, tw <laughs> it, it's tw yeah, it is, Kassar. It's, it's 20 acres. This is a 20-acre property we're talking about. Why don't we designate that as a... A designated area you know he, he designated the entire city as uh, an area for the homeless to camp why not s specify one area and that way they won't be sleeping in front of businesses they'll have somewhere to go they'll have somewhere to go instead of just being you know moved along by police or ticketed or arrested for you know playing in traffic or something and he told me that there's not the political will there to get that done because people in that district don't necessarily uh, they, they, they're not unified on their vision on what that Home Depot, Home Depot could be used for. And that was the ba basic, um, that was his basic, you know, defense of why it hasn't been used, but it's a, ma but he did agree that it's a massive waste of, of a government property. 
And he said that only now that the conversation has been started because of the camping ordinance, are we able to unify people in a sense towards, uh, you know, we've been talking about using the problem. The, we've been talking about using the Home Depot for almost a year. <laughs> well, I, I mean, when how long ago was the camping ordinance? It was at the beginning June, of the summer, summer, summer June, right. July. Yeah, but we've been talking about this Home Depot. We've been talking about homeless situation. I did a news story on homeless almost two years, over two years ago. Well, the problem hasn't right been there getting at, any Right better. there at Ben White in Congress. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, another thing that uh, we talked about was the arch. And, and I said, how is, if the arch is, you know, widely believed to be a failure the same people that are homeless that have been sitting in front of the arch five years ago they're the same people that are out there now so if if that was a failure how are we going to do something different and so he's saying we need to do things like have services and more permanent housing for these people okay what i said was i think it's more so we need to help people you know it we need to be more proactive with things like substance abuse counseling or maybe not state hospitals, but maybe city hospitals that have mental health help. There's a lot of things that you can do uh, other than I mean, those two things shelter. alone would solve a lot of problems. Either substance abuse and, you know, counseling. Oh, yeah. Look, you can go watch the interviews I've done with, with the homeless on, uh, on my YouTube channel on Faust and Furious. There are, I've interviewed 50, 60 people at this point, and there are, there is a massive consensus even amongst the homeless themselves, that drug addiction is the number one problem. And drug addiction with people that are mentally ill or uh, exacerbates it. And people that aren't mentally ill that have drug problems, it can create those, those sorts of mindsets, you know? So that needs to be tackled before anything else happens. That's my opinion uh, from, from firsthand experience with this, with this issue. And an, another problem is that the... Like, he, he gave me an anecdote, and he said that there was a homeless woman outside of a business, and the business owner didn't want the lady out there. She wouldn't leave, so the police came up. And this is a lady that's down on her luck. You know, this is somebody that we, we as a community, should have – we should, you know, empathize with them. And the, when the police came up, the police officer said she, – she asked the police officer, well, where, where should I go? And the police officer said, well, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know. That's a problem, too. Right. Right. Where is she going to go? The Arch? You know how many sexual assaults are at the Arch? Right. You know how many of these people get arrested, like that guy that was in traffic and released the next day? There's and, no help. That doesn't and help And that's that going to be the city's problem. That's the city council and the mayor's problem, that that's and, not a safe place. And it's also poignant to point out that the guy who was playing in traffic has a criminal record. Mm. Now, I don't think that necessarily designates someone as we, a criminal. We, me and you, we, we've said this once before, that the fact that when we go out there and we interview people, you interview people, and the fact that someone's covering their face tells me they got a warrant for their arrest and or something's going something on there. like that. Something's yeah. happening because they want to cover their face. So I'm not going to label the entire homeless community as being criminal. But the behavior that the behaviors that they engage in are criminal sometimes. Right. And if you're not allowed to, you know, uh, uh, smoke K2 in public, then how come it's okay for this guy to go ahead and do that and get released the next morning? I mean, let's be honest about this. If, if I had a lengthy criminal record and I was arrested for, like, public intox and I had a bunch of priors, I don't think that I would be getting out that quickly because may and I, this is this is uh sort of coming from my gut but i think that when people get arrested they're probably sort of profiled and they wonder okay well is this person going to post bail can we get money from this person all right we, we come back from the break going to talk about uh got a a gun that was stolen from a crime scene here in austin that story came out today also going to talk about this uber each driver uh that drew a gun on someone trying to rob him. We come back from the break to talk about both those stories. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins of Breitbart News. You're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we got a story coming out of Austin, Texas here. Uh, so a man was arrested after police say he stole a gun from the scene of an East Austin murder-suicide. 
So what happened was, so the Austin police arrested a man Friday, who's, who they say took a gun from the scene of this murder-suicide. So police responded on Friday morning about 5.30 a.m. to a call shots fired at a Valero gas station on East Riverside uh, over by, you know, near Montopolis Drive there. And uh, Felix Barron, 43, and his wife, Ver- Veronica Martinez, 36, were, were found dead at the scene. Now, witnesses say he saw Barron shoot Martinez as she was sitting in front in the front seat of her car, then walked to the front of the vehicle and turned the weapon on himself. Now, the witness also told police after Barron fell to the ground, two homeless men ran up to the body, but he did not know what they were doing. So while at the scene, an APD officer was approached by a witness who said she heard a rumor that someone took Barron's gun from the scene and no firearm firearm was found. But police say security footage from the gas station showed a man approached the scene before leaving on foot and detectives distributed a photo of the man caught on camera to officers in hopes of locating the gun. And so this guy was arrested. Isn't that crazy? That is. <laughs> that is crazy. Now, check out this other story. This Uber Eats driver in Austin again. And so this is a, a robbery suspect. Uber Eats worker drew guns on each other. And this happened in Austin. So the delivery worker went to Arbor Terrace Apartments which was just off of I-35 near Old Torf. You know, it's always in South Austin. Got to watch out for South Yeah, I used Austin. to live over there. I-35 in Old Torf? Yeah, sketchy. Is it? Yeah. Oh, man, let me tell you. Okay, so this was around 2.25 a.m., man. So someone had the munchies. They were ordering Uber Eats at 2.25 in the morning. Where can you get food at 2, two o'clock in the morning? Lots of places. Really? Yeah. Okay, all right. I didn't know. I'd, I'd just go downstairs in the kitchen. I'd just cook something up. Well, that's you. Okay. All right, so when the delivery was done, the worker turned around to find a man aggressively standing very close to him. And that man was identified by police as a 37-year-old Gabriel Menchaca Palem, I'm sorry, Palomino. Uh, the delivery man told Palomino to get away from him, and the affidavit says. But Palomino asked uh, the man, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? So he looked down at his watch. So as if he was trying to distract the man while grabbing the bandana that was around his neck and pulling it up over his mouth and nose, according to the affidavit. So Palomino then pointed a black semi-automatic Glock handgun at the man in the court documents say. And delivery man pulled out a SIG P238 handgun and pointed at Palomino. All right, so we got SIG versus Glock. Who do you think won? Well, I already know. Who <laughs> <laughs> they want? Sig versus Glock. Well, the Sig didn't go to jail. <laughs> the Sig didn't the go. Glock to, did. The Glock went to jail. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. So the Glock went to jail. All right. Oh man, I think Sig's better anyway. I like Sig. I think Sig, Sig's a better. I got gun. a nineteen eleven Texas edition Sig. I yeah, love yeah. it. It's my favorite gun. Yeah, Sig. I think Sig is a better gun. Mm-hmm. So for a brief second, both Palomino and the man just stood there, not moving. When Palomino moved off toward the uh, end of the parking lot according to the affidavit. And so the delivery man hid between the vehicles in the parking lot before he could get to his car and call 911. And the man went into a 7-Eleven nearby where he waited for an officer. And when an officer arrived, the man got out of his vehicle and noticed Palomino walking down the sidewalk. And that's and he said, that's the guy who just tried to rob me. Uh, and so they were able to you know, catch this guy. So he hung around. Yeah, shot, yeah. Hey, they got to put that on world's dumbest criminal. <laughs> yeah. Shout that guy's out. A, an idiot. And shout out to Uber East driver said, not today. <laughs> not today, buddy. Well, I'm not going to be man. your victim today. Uh-huh. What would have happened that's if That's what time carrying. it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's a good one there. Wait, wait, it's, it's an Uber Eats driver. Isn't all their money through an app? What yeah. was he even going to rob him for? The food? Right. Maybe he's starving. Okay. <laughs> I get pretty, you know, mad when I'm hungry. I don't know, man. I never robbed somebody for food. Now, I've what? just never been there. You know? I, I mean, I, I mean I've, I've never even thought about it is what I'm saying. Like, the, the guy has the app. He ordered the food. You know what I mean? To his house, right? Or was this not to his house? Yeah, yeah. He, he was delivered. Yeah, he delivered it to someone's house or apartment or something. This is just not a thought-out crime whatsoever. No, no, no. Nothing about it. Have you never had food that just smelled so good that, oh, it just made you not think straight? No. Not, not, not one bit. <laughs> Where are you eating? 
<laughs> at 2.30 in the morning, what kind of food are you getting that's making you want to rob somebody? Something, else, something else is going on there at 2.30 in the morning. You want to rob someone. Maybe, hey, maybe he was smoking some K2. Could have been. You never know. Uh, how about this other story? Uh, we didn't talk about this. Uh, this one is uh, that lady that was killed by feral hogs. <laughs> you didn't hear that Where, story? What are these stories? This is in Texas, brother. Yes. You didn't this hear that story. doesn't even sound real, right? Yeah. But it, it, it had happened. You think, no. like, you're like, ah, oh, that's not a real story. We yeah. have a huge problem with feral hogs we here do. in the state. So huge problem. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I want to hear this one. So, authorities say a pack of feral hogs attacked and killed a woman outside a southeast Texas home where she worked as a caretaker. So, Christine Rollins cared for an elderly couple at their home in this small town of Antioch and Chambers County Sheriff Brian Hawthorne said Monday the 84-year-old woman she cared for was waiting for Rollins, who lived in Liberty, Texas, to arrive on Sunday. And so the woman went outside and found the 59-year-old Rollins in front yard between her car and the front door. Crazy. That's, you know, I heard a number sad, that seven out of every ten hogs in the state have to be killed just to keep their numbers in check. Yeah. In it, it's, level. It's a yeah. serious problem. She yeah. was eat, like... She was eaten to death. Yeah, yeah. That's horrible. Mauled, and they just, they do it, they do you dirty if they get you. Yeah, and yeah. I, I actually, I, I have customers that, you know, they invite you to their property, say, hey, you know, you want to come out to my property and shoot, you know, because I got a serious hog problem. You guys want to come out here hunting, you know, come on out here to the country, you know, and have at it. Because it's I'm a down. serious problem. They're, they're eating up all the crops. They're just tearing up everything. Yeah, and the governor uh, passed a bill they're allowing eating people too. Uh, hunting hogs from helicopters. Oh yeah, that that passed a, a while, while ago. Yeah, quite really. A while. You you can actually yeah. you can actually do it with a. It's first it started out with a suppressor. You can you can actually hunt, you know, feral hogs from a helicopter using a suppressor. What are you hunting with? Just a rifle? Yeah, using an AR. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Oh, absolutely, man. It's a serious problem. Very serious problem. Well, yeah, I mean, if a woman's been eaten by these things, then yeah, they can <laughs> they can uh, produce two to three litters of up to six to eight piglets every year. What do they taste like? You know? Oh, my brother used to hunt them. It, he was kind of a novice at it, so um, I don't know if he did it properly the first time. He had a freezer full of feral hog meat, yeah. and I mean. It tasted, oh, miserable. But really? I'm sure Wouldn't if you do all. it right and you know how to do it, then it can be much better. But it was just my brother's first time. Right. And, yeah, he dressed it himself and everything. Uh, so my experience with eating that was not probably eating the feral as hog? good as it could be. You ever yeah. had frog legs? Mm-hmm. I haven't. Tastes like chicken. Does it? Yeah. I Actually see, pretty I good. Can, I not a lot of that. meat on the bone, though. You gotta get a big fat frog if you want to get a lot of meat on the bone. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm trying to diet now, so I've been cutting back on some of that stuff. Let's go. Let's go hunt. I stick to the basic, you know, just bake some chicken now, you know, uh, some fish, you know, bake it, don't fry it. That's what I'm sticking to right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, good. Don't fry it. No. And I gotta deal. I gotta deal with the uh, (laughs) deal with the uh, the VA and. Go check out the VA. So now I'm gonna I get to tell you Ooh. my VA stories. Yeah, because I haven't done I'm the sure VA you'll thing. Have some. I will. I haven't done the VA thing at all. So I'm gonna get a chance to do that because my sister's been hounding me. You know, you need to. You know, you need to go to the VA and da 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 and all this other kind of stuff. So I need to. You know, I need, to get, I need heard, to get my stuff up to date with that. I've not heard many good stories about. The I've VA. never heard a good story. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have to do it. Yeah, because I've never gone to the VA for anything. I, you know, served 12 years in the army. And I, I've never done it, so now I get all I gotta get all that paperwork and all that stuff up to date and, and go check that stuff out. So I guess I'll start taking care of myself now. Hey, better now than never. <laughs> okay. You better. This we my need near, you, Mike. My near death experience. We need you, okay? You are a champion of the Second Amendment and we need you here. We need you healthy and we need you to just keep doing what you're doing, okay? Dilly right. dilly. Dilly dilly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you basically what happened was the thing that happened with me, it's a very rare case. There are only 200 reported cases of it, of me having a, basically what happened was uh, one of my arteries, uh, there was a tear ripping one of the arteries and blood was pretty much just gushing out of that artery. And that was the pain that I was actually feeling. And so it's a very rare situation that happened, the type of artery that it is and, and what happened. It was so rare. Like I said, only 200 reported cases ever. So. You dealt with that pretty well. I, <laughs> I mean, we were sitting there next to you, and you yeah. said, 
Man, my uh, my stomach hurts. I think I'm just gonna go home, guys. <laughs> I, I said, "That's right, you guys were there." I, yeah, yeah, I said, uh-huh. "I said that was weird." And then see an ambulance, and the the bartender goes, "Is that car go out there?" I'm like, what? <laughs> and, that was, and, and I went back to the security camera footage, and I saw you know you guys running up across the parking lot. Yeah, I was running. Yeah, uh-huh. Zach was. Sh- he was trying moseying yeah, on over. You were booking it. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I thought you might be dead, dude. man. I know. Right? I didn't know what was going on. I know. And yeah, someone you know either someone shot him or it was a car accident or <laughs> political assassination. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I know. It was. Yeah, it was one of the things. You know, you gotta. You know, you gotta take care of yourself. You got to. Also, you know, go do your regular doctor's checkups and all that good kind of stuff. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.